You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickeruck, episode 25. Hello, teacher brain. I don't know about you, but as the end of July approaches and some of our American counterparts prepare to head back to their classrooms, my teacher mind is starting to drift toward September, (laughs) dare I say it. I've been um, receiving texts and emails uh, and messages from different teachers asking about how to prepare and plan for next year, asking about resources, and wondering what our jobs will even look like. And of course, none of us knows the answer to that question. Um, it's unknown, and all we can do is speculate at this point. And that unknown is an uncomfortable place for many people to sit. The unknown can be scary for people, especially if it's a place where the like looping thought track is narrated by the news or social media or other fear-based stress-perpetuating sources. And I think we're all aware by now uh, the negative effects that stress has on our body, right? A stressful thought triggers a biochemical reaction releasing cortisol through the body. And this is how, incidentally, our thoughts create physical matter. Like it's kind of like manifestation, by the way, which is nothing, it's not nothing small, right? Our thoughts create our emotions, which trigger the release of physical neuropeptides, distributing the manifestation of messages of stress through the body. So cortisol is released and cortisol wreaks havoc on our system as we know. We've talked about this before, but essentially as our cortisol levels rise, our blood pressure rises, we get headaches, tension in our muscles, brain fog, depression, and a slew of other symptoms and conditions. We feel our heart start racing, maybe heat rushing to our heads, shortness of breath, whatever other physical symptoms of stress you experience, they all start with a thought. And the catch is that this thought emotion chemical cascade influences your thoughts even further. So you start feeling that stressed feeling and now you want to fight um, flee or freeze or tend and befriend as we learned in episode seven, which brings on more stressful or fearful because all emotions root down to either love or fear and stress is under the fear umbrella thoughts, which trigger the release of even more chemicals in the brain and body, which cause you to feel more fear. And the next thing you know, you're caught in this fearful thought emotion loop. So if our thoughts are the language of the brain and our feelings are the language of our bodies, this loop is telling our brains and bodies what state to be in. So stress or fear in this case. And we know that when that thought emotion loop runs repeatedly, it gets automated and becomes our belief and it drives our actions, which get us our results. Because when you keep thinking the same thoughts, you're hardwiring your brain into that same pattern. And this is why we want to be very conscious of our thoughts. We want to catch them and go through um, this process of rewiring our brain so that our automated thought loop patterns are positive and constructive. Now, if you always think, feel, and do as you have always thought, felt, and done, you're going to get what you have always gotten. 
you're going to continue to put your body and your mind into the state it has always been in before from your past. And this is the predictability that your brain strives for at all times. Even if this state of being is unhealthy and unproductive and causes you harm, it is what your brain knows. And if unchecked, it will drag you back into that zone of familiarity because it is predictable and therefore comfortable. It's your comfort zone. And this is why people believe that they work better under pressure or they think that they're good multitaskers. Um, um, That's a myth that we debunked last episode. Or uh, they continue to fall into unhealthy relationships and habits because it's familiar. Also remember that these loops and patterns, this wiring of your brain happened mostly between the ages of zero and seven years old through observations, conversations, and experiences with the important and influential adults in your life. You didn't choose these negative patterns. However, now that you know that, and now that you have the capacity, thanks to your fully developed prefrontal cortex, you can now choose better thoughts that serve you and get you the results you actually want. And this will bring you out of the predictableness from the past and into a comfortable, maybe unknown future. And this is a simple process. And I say simple, not easy which is why having a coach to walk you through this process is super helpful. And if you're interested in coaching opportunities with me, you can follow the link in the show notes um, to connect. What we, what we do um, in there is work through a step-by-step neural coaching process to rewire your limiting beliefs, your negative thought feeling loop pattern, your, your ants, your automatic negative thoughts, the physical neural pathways in your brain to get you the results that you want in life. So in the context of school startup and not knowing what that will look like, sitting in that zone of discomfort, of unknown, your brain is going to want to find the familiar by connecting you to memories of your past experiences in times of unknown, which will create feelings of Um, anxiety, worry, frustration, grief, like an unsettling, a powerlessness, thus the loop is created. So the thoughts create the feelings which will drive the actions you take in that moment or that day, the behaviors you exhibit and the experiences and results you're going to create for yourself. Thus, your life will stay the same because you are remaining in the predictable past. So the more you repeat the same routines and behaviors over and over again, and it's things as simple as like waking up, checking social media, brushing your teeth, eating the same thing for breakfast, taking the same route to work, the more they become automated, unconscious, and predictable. If you took the same actions today as you took yesterday, and you're going to take the same actions tomorrow, and repeat them the day after that and and the day after that, then it makes sense that your tomorrow is going to be a lot like your yesterday. And before you know it, your future becomes like a rerun of your past. 
This loop idea reminds me of um, whitewater rafting. So thanks to my Facebook memory reminders, the pictures have been recently coming up of our two years ago adventure on the Ottawa River to go whitewater rafting. And I remember in high school, I went there on a trip with three of my girlfriends as well. And at that time, we were told about this like uh, ringer effect, like the washing machine ringer. So there's a section of the river where where we can go, we could get out and do some body surfing, which wasn't really my um, flavor of ice cream, to be honest, because I have a deathly, and yes, I know, irrational fear of fish. Not that they'll bite or hurt me, but just them like being there, like darting out unexpectedly from the corner of my eye or brushing against me underwater. Ugh, it just freaks me out. So anyway... The instructor was explaining to us that um, when we're body surfing, we have to like, you got to lay on your back and keep your feet out in front of you and, and don't let your bum drop too far down because, you know, you could hit a rock and be paralyzed and don't curl up in a ball because you could end up in this ringer situation where you are just like continually being semi shot out of the rapid, but then like sucked back in before you can get a breath and you just get spiraled through like, uh, like the spin cycle in a washing machine. And this is how my brain visualizes this negativity thought loop pattern. You have to kick your feet out and lift your rear end up to get the hell out of there. So you can see how getting stuck in this loop, um, as I've shared before, results in an astonishing 80 to 90% of our decision and actions becoming run by our subconscious and how we're living presently as our past selves. So our past becomes our future, our predictable future. Now, some of these automations are highly necessary and extremely helpful, like not having to consciously think about scratching an itch or brushing your teeth or fastening your seatbelt or moving out of the way when something is hurled at your human or breathing. Like all of, all of these things help our brains conserve energy, necessary energy. Otherwise, we'd be, be tapped out five minutes into our day. But there are many things that are automated um, that are counterproductive, like our stress response. And this is, um, is this a brain bend or what? Like, is this like stretching your brain? It is mine, right? But it's so fascinating. And knowing this is so powerful, which is why I wanted to share it with you and why I hope that you'll share it with the little brains in your class, um, maybe in simpler terms that they can understand. Uh, Speaking of class, this is where the episode started. So looking ahead to September, the unknown, the opposite of a predictable future. No wonder our brains are going haywire. And we haven't even touched on the energetic effects of living in this stagnant state of being. The short version is that our, our energies get stuck, causing all kinds of uh, physical and emotional consequences and preventing us from evolving and accessing the healthier and higher level emotions such as gratitude and love. Anyway, so no, we don't know what, we'll what September will look like or what's going to happen at this point. And even if they did have a set plan for us now, it will most likely change a number of times before and after we start back to work and stressing about it is not going to help. In fact, it's going to cause you harm, like physically, emotionally, and mentally. Because when your fight or flight 
um, nervous system is switched on and stays on, all your body's energy reserves are utilized to deal with that perceived constant threat. And it therefore has nothing left for growth and repair. And this is how stress weakens the immune system. And you certainly don't want to return to a potentially like germ hot environment with a compromised immune system. What you can do is knowing that your thoughts create your feelings, but that your thoughts are sparked by a situation, reduce the spark. Okay, so stop getting your updates from sources whose agenda is to sell. Remove that stimulus. Consume only like positive, calming, soothing stimuli. Um, your favorite music, your funny movies, positive people, factual science-based reports from reliable sources without agendas. Um, practice managing your thinking. And I've shared a lot of tools on this podcast for that. Episode two is around stomping those ants, working with, um, you could work with a coach to support you on this. Um, you can check out my Minds on Teacher Membership where we'll be doing a lot of this work or find someone else you follow and trust and work through your feelings. Listen to episode 22 um, I did on RMM tapping. So Sarah Longoria herself is actually going to be joining us on the podcast soon. So excited. And her free five-day course starts actually Monday of this week, the 27th. Um, and I've included the link to register to that in the show notes for you. And that is invaluable training and something I'm working on bringing to schools for you and for the little brains in your classroom. So don't just breathe your feelings away or push them down. We really want to work through them. And um, you can take action. Notice your thinking, write it down, examine your thoughts, question them, get outside, go for a walk. When your body moves, your brain grooves. Um, clarity and perspective often come with fresh air and a bit of exercise. And we've talked about this before too, but ask yourself better questions. Try, how is this working for me? Or what opportunities is this offering me? We can drive ourselves crazy trying to come up with all the like what ifs, but I feel like the issue with that is that we just, we only go halfway. We just let, let them hang. We come up with the first part, like what if we're completely online this year and we leave it, <laughs> therefore defaulting to familiar programming and fear or stress rather than finishing the question and investigating options. So what if we're completely online this year? What can I do to make the best experience for my students and myself? What do I know? What do I need to find out? And then get to work. Like it's a totally different thought loop, right? And we know that where our focus goes, your energy flows. So focus on the things you can control because there are lots. I just mentioned a few around um, what you consume, how you spend your time, what thoughts you have. And there are some practical things as well to help us prepare for a successful return to school. So for example, um, I think we can be fairly certain that 
we won't be sharing materials and resources. So we can start to think about the tools and materials we think our students will need and how those things will be housed and, and available and accessible to each student. Um, and what they'll need is going to sort of depend on the type of program we facilitate. And while we don't know yet if we'll be in the classroom at all, in part or a mixture, we don't know if all of our students will be with us every day or in a rotation or those kinds of details. We do know that they are going to need a lot of support with their mental health and social emotional learning. The great news is if you're in Ontario, our health curriculum includes a complete strand on social emotional learning. And it is this kind of thing, like your, the connection between your thoughts and feelings and actions and results. So dive in, start reading, read the front matter. It's rich in information and ideas. Um, the Mind Up curriculum is another excellent resource. Um, again, if you're looking for like a comprehensive and supported year-long journey with lots of different tools and strategies and um, support, check out the Minds On teacher membership that's linked in the show notes. Uh, we use a lot of these resources and we walk through them. I walk through them in a, a scaffolded way for you. And so we know also that after being home and quote unquote isolated or distance at least from their peers and their, their normal for such a long time, they're going to be itching to just be around each other. And remember, our brains are constantly working to seek connection and avoid rejection. Um, some of them may not have even had a physical hug from mom, for example, for months because maybe she's a frontline worker and has had to quarantine herself in their home or, or even outside of their home. Those little brains are craving connection, as are ours. And although that's typically where we start every September, we spend weeks building our classroom community and we know how how important it is. This year, it's going to be even more important than ever. So firstly, because we'll be coming off of close to six months of various forms of lockdown or distancing at the very least. Secondly, some of those little brains have been six months in some uh, less than ideal environments. So lots of like free explore time or social connection time or come up with another name for it preferably outdoor time, where students are able to just be with each other, safely, of course, um, to fulfill that brain-based need of connection, I feel is a fantastic place to start. So you can start thinking about what that might look like and get to know them. Ask them about themselves. And, and I would stick to present times or future, like how they spent their time at home during COVID might be a touchy or traumatic subject for them. And that's a different conversation for a different time and, and important. Yes, absolutely. But in terms of connection, um, just get to know who they are and find out what makes them tick, what lights them up. That's invaluable information. And I think outdoors is going to be key. Again, this is my opinion and outdoors in my opinion is always the key. Um, because there's not, there's not much reported spread outside, which is great news. So leverage that. You can start planning outdoor exploration. Check your curriculums for opportunities for, for delivery outdoors. Um, and having done a lot of outdoor instruction, I can tell you that there's not much that you 
that you um, do in the classroom that can't be done outside. And some of it's even like better outside. A lot of it is. Um, and think about diagnostics as well. We know that these little brains have been home for months with varying degrees of support and online access. And to be clear, I am absolutely not suggesting any kind of formal assessment measures, quizzes, paper-based, anything. Not suggesting that. What I am suggesting is knowing your look force, thinking of some meaningful and engaging questions to ask them, and observing your students outside, engaging conversation with them. Um, watch them interact with their peers and take lots of notes. Uh, it's also likely that there'll be some online component to our teaching uh, if we're not 100% online. So can you get your site up and ready? Can you familiar, familiarize yourself with the tools you're able to use in your board or district? Uh, maybe record a welcome video message now for families while you have a bit more time. Find a colleague to collaborate with. Um, Parent-teacher relationships and communication are going to be of utmost importance and sensitivity, I think, in this situation. In my opinion, it is communication at the root and that creates and solves 99.99% of problems. If you think about uh, the times that you've been disappointed or annoyed or frustrated or angry, I'm willing to bet it came down to it when you break it all down. It came down to a breakdown or misaligned expectation of communication of some sort. Like think about right now, what's causing your stress and anxiety? Not knowing what's going on. No one's telling me what's happening. I can't get a straight answer. Communication. Parents want to know about their kids, especially now. We need to ramp up our communication and remember that we are all on the same team. We all want what's best for everyone. And we are all working with a lack of information, partly because there isn't information to share sometimes at that point, And partly because people have this idea that there is a need to know basis, um, which I have mixed feelings about, but that's besides the point. So ask your brain, how can I establish and support regular communication with families? What will it look like? Can I set up the tools, programs, or formats now? Like, are you going to use Google or Seesaw or Evernote? Are you going to do it by email, SafeTube, phone calls? Find out what you are allowed to use in your board and learn it. And also transparency goes with that. I think people appreciate it. So um, maybe share the fact that this is a strange situation. It's not business as usual. You're still learning as we all are. Thank them for their patience, understanding and willingness to go on this journey with you um, in supporting their child and that you will do the same. And patience. <laughs> so sometimes this takes practice. Practice patience and grace with yourself, most importantly. Practice patience with yourself. Practice patience with your students, your admin, your colleagues, your family, your learning. Ask your brain how you can do this. We can anticipate this is going to be stressful times, right? But we can set, we can decide in advance 
and we've talked about this before, how we're going to respond rather than react to that kind of stressful situation. Break the loop. Get comfortable in the unknown. How do you do that? Well, remember how we said that repeating a thought emotion pattern pattern over and over automates it into your subconscious and becomes your programming? Well, give yourself a new thought to automate. Repeat it over and over while tapping into the feeling that you want with it. Be curious about your thoughts and feelings rather than compounding the negative with layers of judgment. And build that vision of the future, the school year, the relationships you want with the families of your little brains. Write them out in asset language like you do with report cards. Our brains don't register negatives. So when you say, don't think about it, all your brain hears is think about it. I'm sure you can experience this. It's why when you're like balancing your coffee and all the marking you're carrying back to your classroom, you think, don't trip, don't trip. What happens? Boom, down you go, coffee everywhere. And then you think, I knew that was going to happen. Well, duh, you're visualizing it. You are focusing on it. You are feeding it to your brain where your mind goes, your energy flows. What you imagine becomes your reality. So remember, Your brain does not know the difference between what is real in your 3D physical world and what you show it vividly in your imagination. So what you focus on in your inner world of imagination will appear in your outer world as an experience. And your biology will change accordingly. Crazy. And it determines your future. And there are studies on this. Like, Piano playing studies, muscle twitch, free throw performance, uh, strength training, all kinds of crazy and fascinating mind-bending examples. So in our predictable future example, when you wake up and you're kind of playing out the events of the day in your mind, your brain thinks that that's a done deal and your body moves accordingly. Are you still with me? (laughs) So use positive asset language. Tell your brain what you want. Show it and repeat those things over and over to yourself day and night. Make that your new, uh, I knew that was going to happen. Okay, as usual, it seems that we've gotten a tad off track here. So let's recap the main points again. Firstly, we don't know what September is going to look like. It is an unknown and can and probably will change as we learn more about this virus and how it reacts and you know the information from the experts. Stressing out about the unknown is not only unhelpful, it's less than unhelpful, it's even more than less than unhelpful, uh, according to Jack Sparrow, but actually causes harm and compromises our immune system. Plus, the thoughts we have while stressed will create a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy and keep us stuck in this perpetual spin cycle of negativity. There are things we can control, and if we focus on those things, kick our feet out, notice and question our thoughts, we'll break that negativity loop, become comfortable in the unknown, and get ourselves out of there. Um... And there are things that we can do now to get us ready for and maybe even embrace the unknown future. So remember to check out the links in the show notes below. Register yourself for the free five-day course of Sarah Longoria's RMM. And uh, if you feel so inclined, 
communicate your feedback about this podcast uh, by leaving me a review and rating. Thank you so much. And as always, thank you for joining me again today. I really appreciate your listenership and all the the kind notes, texts, and messages I get from you telling me how much you enjoy the podcast and how you intend to use this stuff with yourself and the little brains in your lives. Um, That's why I started it. And that really means the world to me. You have been listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nicarak. Until next time, choose kind, be safe, and have a wonderful week. Bye for now.